Welcome to Public Servants Announcements. Um, I would like to thank everybody for coming back with us. And I also want to thank the people who have been consistently listening. As I've said on the last few episodes, I've been watching the numbers and there are a few people who do listen regularly. And that is absolutely amazing to me. So on this episode, we have an incredible guest who was um, given to me, his contact information was given to me by a guest we've had on now twice, Dr. Maisha Applewhite. And she messaged me one day out of the blue and said, I have a wonderful guest for your podcast. His name is Dr. D. Howard. How are you, Dr. Howard? I'm doing well, Shelman. I'm doing fantastic. Having a great day today. It's a been a very productive day so far. I uh, got up, got me a good workout in today, and uh, I hit two meetings today uh, before uh, my time with you. And uh, let me take a moment to thank you for the invitation to join you today. Uh, I'm really excited about our time together. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So I have to start first with you woke up and worked out. I do that sometimes. Uh, but I, I'm starting to do it more often because I've noticed waking up, if I can get that workout in, especially yeah. if it's a workout I enjoy, yeah. it usually speeds the rest of my day up. Is that kind of how you feel? Yeah, you know, it does. You know, uh, at, at the point of life that I'm in right now, I uh, I'm, I am 58 years old. And so working out has really become like a prayer time for me. It's a good time for meditation it's a good time so for me there are there are manifold benefits to uh working out working out help it benefits me not only physically but it also benefits me mentally emotionally and spiritually as well right mm -hmm. yeah me too now i know this is an audio <laughs> podcast for those of you who aren't on here he said he was 58 and i tried as hard as i could not to completely drop my jaw because he can see me even though y'all can't. And I just didn't want it to seem like, oh my goodness. But if only I could look just this fit and excited about life at 58, that would sweet. Thank you. Jesus. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I get that regularly. And so, you know, I give all praise, honor, and glory to the Lord Jesus for that man, you know, uh, I am a true believer that, you know, because of his word and his spirit that resides within us, then it shows, you know, in our countenance, at least it should, you know, I know that's not the case for all saints, but it, but it should, you know, and, you know, so for me, you know, I, I try as much as possible um, uh, to do the right things, to put the right things into my body, not only physically, but to even put the right things uh in my mind and 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 even in my emotions and and spiritually as well. So, you know, all of that is really important. And for me, that was actually uh, a major benefit of the pandemic that we've just come out of. You know, what the pandemic did for me, uh it 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 challenged me to focus on self-care, to do a better job of of taking care of myself uh uh spiritually mentally emotionally and physically so uh i'm thankful for that um and 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 like i said i, I really give god glory for that 
Yeah, I think that's something a lot of people came out of the pandemic with, um, if not even the knowledge of how to work in self-care and work mm -hmm. on self-care, mm -hmm. just the idea that they should put right. themselves through some sort of care. Um, what? Why do you think that is? What do you think it was about the pandemic that allowed people to really start to focus on themselves? Well, I, I think, you know, the, the pandemic was really a traumatic, it was really a tumultuous time for quite a few people because number one, we were forced to live in isolation and, and we were required to live and work in isolation. And by isolation, of course, I mean, you know, we could no longer travel to our places of employment, uh, couldn't even, matter of fact, even for those of us who worship, I mean, we had to worship virtually. You know, and and uh, even during that time, uh, the the gym facilities were closed, and so what I found myself doing early in the pandemic was finding outdoor walking trails, and uh, I got a membership, matter of fact, to uh, the Cedar Hill State Park here. Uh, I live here in Cedar Hill, Texas, and you know I was able to find an outdoor walking trail, and what that did was that helped me to survive the pandemic. A lot of people did not survive the pandemic. As a matter of fact, those who came, uh, some who came through the pandemic are still struggling from the ramifications of the pandemic. And, uh, but once again, you know, I'm just thankful. Um, that's one of the things that I'm thankful for that I was able to survive it. And what the pandemic did, at, at least for me was it, it taught uh, it challenged me to be flexible. It challenged me to be adaptable. You know, it challenged me to be agile and nimble, if you would, uh, to be nimble and agile, flexible and adaptable uh, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, you know. Okay. So mm -hmm. you brought up Cedar Hill, and this is completely random. I Go was for talking it. to my dad on Sunday. And one of my best memories with my dad on <laughs> just in my childhood was when we went camping. Yeah. I tell this story every year in my classroom. I've told okay. it my basketball teams. Right. And just about the camping trip in general and how it brought me and my little brother super close because we were forced to share a tent. And if you've never slept outside for five days with somebody, you try it. <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> but I've been telling this story and I've been telling people that we went on a camping trip to Oklahoma. Yeah. Sunday, my dad was like, that was Cedar Hill State Park. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> like, that was 20 minutes down the road. I thought, because I've been saying, I'm going to take my boys and we're right. going to go camping to Oklahoma right. like yeah. me and my dad did. And I would have been in the wrong place. <laughs> And it's now like I pass it every day on the highway. It's every day right on there. the highway, right. <laughs> I didn't know they had memberships to yes. Cedar Hill State Park. That is correct. You can actually purchase an annual membership to the uh, Cedar Hill State Park. Uh, I believe it's $70 per year. And you can even purchase for a more advanced membership. You can... Uh, for a few dollars more, you can purchase membership to not only that park, but other state parks throughout the United States. Okay. Yeah, that's a good deal as well. For those of us who like to be outside, because I also discovered walking trails outside. I started on Katy Trail during yeah. the pandemic and I've now just found different White Rock, which yeah. I actually grew up right next to and just never went on it if I was alone. 
Yeah. Um, but that is for me, it's been a great way getting out and walking because uh, the Katy Trail that I did six miles. So getting out to walk that trail yeah. and just be alone. I, yeah. I've done it with friends, yeah. but I, I prefer to just walk it by myself. Yes. And sometimes I'll put on my headphones and yeah. I'll start the voice recorder and I'll just yeah. talk and yeah. meditate and talk things out. And several of my best ideas have actually come from that. Yes. So yes. what is it about the walking that allows you that type of mental release? Well, for me, you know, number one, um, uh, I love being out in nature. And, you know, I think that we as a people, uh, I, I believe that that we are innately, uh, although we work indoors and we even worship indoors and, you know, we do a number of things indoors, you know, what I love about the outdoors is that one, we get to see the handiwork of God. We get to see nature in action. We get to, you know, we get to uh, inhale and 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 uh, ingest, if you would, and 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 interact with the natural elements of creation. And I think that is so important because so much of what we engage and eat and interact with is fabricated and manufactured, if you would, that the beautiful thing about nature is that it gives us an opportunity to co connect with that which is natural, but then also it gives us an opportunity to connect with the creator of all that exists, if you would, you know? And so that's why I say, for example, when I'm working out, whether it's indoors, but definitely when I'm outdoors working out, uh, the, 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 the benefits are, are manifold. They are optimal, not only physical benefits, but also emotional, spiritual, and definitely mental as well. So before we go any further. Okay. And if, and if y'all like me, listeners are from the Baptist church background. Y'all okay. have probably been thinking the same thing. And so I'm gonna stop right here before we get into the real questions. <laughs> I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna ask because there are also some things y'all can't see. Like <laughs> he has also wiped his head with a rag. And so we, we all hear the Baptist preacher stutter when he's thinking, are you a preacher? <laughs> so yeah, I am. I am ordained. I am licensed. Yes, I, I have served in a capacity as an el a church elder. Uh, and so yeah, def yes, I am. Yes, I am. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to deny the Lord. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I am going to acknowledge Him. I'm going to embrace Him. Yes, I am a disciple, a servant, and a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. And proudly, any good that you see in me. All of it is attributed to the Lord Jesus. And, and the bad parts are all mine. That, I don't want to take claim of all of my bad parts. <laughs> <laughs> but I would take claim of 95% of them. My parents had a hand in that other five. <laughs> Not just me. Well, you know what? But, you know, and, and, and just going down through there for a minute, and me and my sisters and I, we talk about this all the time. And like I said, I'm 58. I have a... a a uh, sister who's younger than me, she's 57. And then our youngest sister, she's 50, she's 53. And, you know, our parents are deceased, you know. And, and, and so my sister, who's a year younger than me, she's a strong Christian believer as well. And we've gotten to the point in our lives where, you know, at this age now, you know, we can't continue to blame mommy and daddy for, 
for the for stuff we do. It's like, okay, you old, we old enough to know better. You know, we know the difference between right and wrong. It's like, no, nah, the stuff, the dish, the diff, uh, decisions we're making, we're making them on our own because we know better. You know, so so, but 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 you know, yeah, man. I mean, you know, that's the beautiful thing about um, you know, this this Christian walk, if you would, you know, is that it is a journey. You know, it is uh, it is a gracious, beautiful journey, you know, that's filled with uh, hills, uh, valleys, uh, mountain plateaus, uh, you know, uh, and, and canyons as well. And the beautiful thing about the Christian life, man, is that, you know, uh, just like uh, Jesus was in the fiery furnace with those four Hebrew boys, uh, three Hebrew boys, excuse me, with the Hebrew boys. You know, um, he he's he's ever present with us, you know, and that's the beautiful thing about it. And and every day is an opportunity for growth. Every day is an opportunity for new beginnings. Every day is an opportunity for uh second chances, you know, as Jeremiah says, you know, his mercies are nude, uh renewed upon us day by day. And so that's the beautiful thing, man, about life right now you know, um, even in the midst of a pandemic, you know, so. Mm -hmm. Y'all, he referenced my favorite Bible story. And I know some of the people who listen to this because there's the public <laughs> service announcement feed, <laughs> and then there's the public service announcement podcast and the <laughs> sermons to myself podcast. Okay. And my favorite story in the Bible is the three Hebrew boys. Yes, sir. Because I want that kind of faith. Yeah. Actively every day. Yeah. I have it for sure some days. And yeah. then there are some days where it's like, I don't have that kind of faith. I need him to actually show up. I can't have that. Yeah. Even if he doesn't faith today, I don't got it all the way there today. Yeah. But okay, so to get into a real question. Okay. You are Dr. D. Howard. Yeah, Dr. Daryl Howard. How where did what made you want to become a doctor? How why did you get there? How did you get there? What led you there? So let me be clear. I I am an academic uh, uh, doctor. So so I have a I currently have <laughs> I currently have an earned doctorate of education from Nova Southeastern University, which is located in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Uh, however, I am currently in the process of finishing a second doctorate, a PhD at the University of North Texas uh, in Denton uh, in philosophy and um uh world religions and so um the 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 first doc well let me backtrack you know i was born and raised in detroit michigan um <clears throat> after graduating from high school at the age of 16 i knew i did not want to go to college but my dad he had a strong message for me every day when i came home from school and he his message was uh and this message went on man for like four months straight and the message was, son, what are you going to do um, when you graduate from high school? And he says, you need to start making up your mind now. You can't wait until you graduate to make the decision. You need to start planning that thing out now. He said, you got three options. He said, either you're going to go to college, number one. Number two, either you're going to go get a job in the plants or the auto plants, because we lived in Detroit and, you know, the black middle class consisted of men and women who worked at either Ford Motor Company or General Motors or uh, GM Cadillac. My father uh, worked at GM Cadillac for 35 years before retiring. My grandfather 
worked at Chrysler for 40 years before retiring. My uncle John worked for Chrysler for 42 years before retiring. So that was, uh, and then the third option was going into the military. Well, he would rebut and say, well, as far as college, that's out. He said, cause I don't have any college money to send you to college, okay? Uh, he said, number two, in terms of uh, getting jobs in the plants, he says, that's not an option because the robots are taking over the jobs in the plants. And, and he didn't know the word automation, but you know, we now know that's automation he was talking about. So he said, you need to join the Air Force, join the military. He served, my uncles served and so on and so forth. So rather than go to college, cause I wasn't ready to go to college, I ended up enlisting into the United States Air Force at the age of 17 years old. Matter of fact, I took the ASVAP test while I was still a senior in high school. And literally December of my senior year in high school, I swore in and uh, uh, November, uh, three, four months after I graduated from high school, I'd served in the United States Air Force. And my first duty uh, station was in the Philippines, you know. And for me, that was one of the great opportunities of my life. And I didn't realize it until two years uh, into my service in the military because it was there that I got to travel the world. It was while I was in the Air Force that I discovered that, there is, that there's something bigger, larger, more purposeful to life than the east side of Detroit, which is where I was born and raised. Uh, it was also in the Air Force that I uh, 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 met Christ, that I gave my life to Christ. Um, uh, but it was also in the military where I developed a desire for college. Okay. And so then, of course, after serving, uh, and I was very successful in the Air Force, I got ranked very quickly, um, uh, had a wonderful time, traveled to various parts of the world, the Philippines, uh, Okinawa, Japan, uh, Germany, Guam, Spain, you know, I did all that within the first, uh, within the four years that I was in the Air Force. So for a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old African-American male who grew up on the east side of Detroit. By the way, the part of Detroit I grew up in is historically called the Black Bottom, okay? So if you Google Black Bottom Detroit, you know, that was the place where, hey, if you wanted to, you know, hey, get that ooh-la-la, -la, whatever, or get into something, that's where you went, the, eat, the Black Bottom, baby, you know? So, so um, uh, for for someone you know like me, traveling the world on the government's dollar, hey man, it was a wonderful opportunity, and it was there that I uh, realized that I was ready to go to college, and so ended up going to college, uh, attended a Bible college in Chicago, Illinois, uh, Moody Bible uh, Institute. After that, I graduated. And then I uh, came to Dallas, Texas, attended Dallas Theological Seminary for four years. Um, and then after that, I uh, enrolled and um, got my doctorate from Nova Southeastern University. Okay. That, okay. Um, I don't even know if I want to go from <laughs> beginning to the end or end to the beginning and work my way backwards, but we can't just let you slide by all of the things that are abnormally excellent, <laughs> just like they didn't happen. He said, <laughs> so I graduated high school at 16 right? and I had three options. Wait, you graduated <laughs> high school at 16? Uh-huh. How, how does that happen? 
Well, you know, education was a major priority uh, in our household. My father, uh, he worked, as I said, as a as an auto worker for General Motors Cadillac in Detroit. My mother did not work. She was a, a housewife. And so that was her work, excuse me. And the beautiful thing, you know, I'm kind of like Timothy in scripture, you know, Timothy's mother led him to the Lord. Well, my mother, she taught me how to read. You know, she taught me, you know, from the time that I was a toddler, she had me going through the phonetic. I had learned the alphabet, then the phonetic alphabet. And from there, I learned to read. So I learned at a very young age how to read. And that benefited me in elementary school because I was always advanced. Uh, I was an advanced reader uh, starting in first grade, second grade, third grade. And then when I got in fourth grade, I was so advanced that during the second half of my fourth grade year, they put me in a fifth grade class. And so that following year, I came back as a sixth grader, you know, and so, uh, and then the progression just continued. Wow. That okay. So mm -hmm. then something else abnormal. Sure, go ahead. Not, <laughs> from what I know, you can't go enlist into the military until you're 18. You enlisted at 17. Correct. Correct. And took That's your ASVAB, I'm assuming, at 16. Right, right. Well, no, no, no. I, I got accepted. Uh let's see seven. No, I got, I swore in, I was 16 years old when I swore in, and that was in uh, December of 81, I believe, yeah, and uh, of my senior year in high school, and um, uh, it, my mother, my parents had to sign for me to go in, and of course, my, my dad was gung-ho, and he actually had to convince my mom to sign, you know, because, you know, you know how mamas are. No, I don't want my baby going off to war. You know, that's how she was thinking. You know, she no, wanted to my go baby. To that's my only son. You know, no, I, you know, but but through, you know, a heart-to-heart -heart conversation, she agreed, you know, and and she also recognized the plight, the urban plight and the destruction that was waiting for me as an African American male living in what at that time was uh, the murder capital of the United States. So now we talk about Chicago being the murder capital, Chirac as they call it now in 2020, in 2023. Well, back then when I was growing up, that was Detroit, man, you know, and, and the east side of Detroit on top of that to be specific. And so, you know, when she realized what was waiting for me after graduation, you know, and my dad was able to reason with her, she, you know, she signed, you know, and, you know, I'm I'm glad that she did because, you know, God had a plan and a purpose for my life. And part of that plan and purpose meant that I was going to meet Christ, you know, while I was in the Air Force. And my life radically changed uh, once once that happened. Mm -hmm. And so then we'll get to this. You said oh. I met Christ in the Air Force. And I'm yeah. thinking, well, if people are shooting missiles at you, we, yeah. I mean, we are legitimately talking about 40 plus years ago. Sure. Which is astonishing to me, guys, because, again, I can see him. Y'all can't see him. <laughs> so don't judge me by the fact that I'm astonished by his age. But 40 something years ago, the United States was still heavy in a war. Um, sure. And this is I mean, we so you're not just in the Air Force. You are there is a high possibility that you will be fighting for your life, literally. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, it was while I was in, and I believe it was during 1984. So I was in from 80, 82 to 80, 
86, from 1982 to 1986. And I believe the Persian Gulf War broke out while I was uh, enlisted. And uh, while the Persian Gulf War was taking place, um, the government, uh, US military made a decision and said, uh, prior to the Persian Gulf War, Army, the Army was protecting not only Army bases, but Air Force bases. Man, while I was in there, they said, nope, Air Force, you're on your own. You have to learn how to protect and defend your own bases. And so during the last two years of my enlistment, I'll never forget this. We were always training in what was called war games. We were always in war maneuvers of some type. I remember, man, I remember one year we traveled all the way to Osan, Korea, and we lived for like 10 days, man, in some rice paddies. And we were digging foxholes, man, and playing war games, man, in these uh, Korean backyards and stuff, you know. So, yeah, you know, conflict. Uh, and, and that was when the Air Force and really the military in general really changed, start begin a drastic change to what it is now. You know, it's in a constant state of, uh, of uh, military and conflict readiness you know, today. Mm -hmm. And so in, in the backyards of Korea, in the rice paddies, digging the foxholes, yeah. yeah. you decided this is a good time for me to build a relationship with Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do I need to do, God? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I'm glad I did that because it was then that I discovered the purpose for my life. It was then that I discovered the importance of higher education. It was then that I discovered, okay, Daryl, here's why you need to go to college, okay? Because, you know, um, as uh, Jeremiah says, you know, I know the plans that I have for you, you know what I'm saying, you know? And 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 so it was, it was while I was, you know, serving uh, our nation, the United States, you know, that I discovered the purpose for my existence. It was also while I was in there that I was able to cultivate a, a lifestyle of discipline that still uh, continues or benefits me to this day, okay? Uh, it was while I was uh, serving. So I, I, I discovered the purpose for my existence. I then began to cultivate a disciplined lifestyle. And then I also learned the importance of sacrifice also, you know, or, or delayed gratification, if you would, you know. Mm-hmm which is necessary when you are working in a relationship with God and trying to mm -hmm. walk in purpose, that delayed gratification is mm -hmm. if you, if you can't sit patiently mm -hmm. understanding that what you're doing has a purpose, then mm -hmm. it's going to be real hard to walk with God. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and believe it or not, I mean, it's, it's, it's true. Those ingredients, those three ingredients are necessary for success in life in general. Okay. Number one, we all need to understand what is the purpose for our existence. Okay. And the purpose for our existence is not simply to make a lot of money. Okay. That's not it at all. Okay. Because I know a whole bunch of people who are, are making a whole lot of money, but they are miserable. Can you imagine? This is the thing that astonishes me on a daily basis because I do not fit into this category. Okay. But can you imagine every day going to a job that you hate? going to a job. Oh, it pays well. It pays handsomely. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, but you, you hate this job. You can't stand it. And it has nothing to do 
with the purpose for you being here uh, 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 in, in this world, you know? And I can't imagine that. And the reason why is because, and I tell my students this at the college, because I don't have a job, okay? I have a career and my career happens to be also my calling, okay? Or my vocation as some call it, okay? All right, uh, uh, the, the great motivational speaker, I call him a philosopher also, Les Brown says, he says, he says, a job is what you get paid for, but a calling or a vocation is what you're made for. And so it's and so and so the thing I'm always communicating to my students, I let my students know. I said, listen, while you are here in college, you need to discover what it, what were you created to do? What is your purpose for being here on this earth? And then your whatever your major is, it needs to be connected to the purpose for your existence. Now, so what does that mean? That means you need to find something that you have been called and created to do and that you can take a good care of yourself as well. So, you know, we're not, I'm not encouraging students to go out and be, you know, paupers and, you know, get a, get a degree, an expensive degree in basket weaving. But then when they, you know, graduate, they can't find a job. I mean, you know, it's like, no, that's not what I'm talking about. No, what I'm saying is, is that, you know, you need to find that thing that you love so much that when you're doing it, you're like a fish in water because too many people in our in our modern workforce, especially here in America, too many people, man, they go to work every day and you know what? They're like a fish out of water. What does a fish look like when it's out of water on dry land? Is gasping for air, is gasping for life, is gasping. and. People are just merely surviving instead of living. And so why is that important? Because we, we only are living life when we discover what, our, what the purpose for our life is. Why are we here? And then when we, when we implement and practice the discipline necessary, Oh, now discipline is a whole nother subject. Because see, you know, we want the glory. We want the final product. But baby, we don't want to go through the struggle and the sacrifice necessary okay, to, to, to reach that pinnacle of success, if you would. We want the success, but we don't want to go the, through the struggle that's necessary for the success. And you can't have one without the other, you know. Yeah. So for this, those of y'all who wasn't following the whole way through and you just heard the tail end, what he <laughs> said was everybody want a six pack, but everybody don't want to go to the gym and eat right. Exactly. And so now y'all going to get surgery and now y'all have lopsided six packs, but I'm going to <laughs> So <laughs> you said you teach at the college. What is it that you teach? Because I want to go take a class. I, I, I'm not going to take, I'm done with school, y'all. I'm not done learning. I am done paying people to teach me. So what, but for, for the people who aren't done, what, what do you teach? So, so I, I am currently teaching, uh, I am a full-time faculty member currently at Dallas College. Uh, Dallas College, formerly known as the Dallas County Community College District. In 2020, we consolidated seven college campuses into one large campus, and we are now known as Dallas College. 
uh, I currently teach philosophy. As uh, a matter of fact, I am currently serving as the uh, interim curriculum chair for the philosophy and religion department at Dallas College. So I teach philosophy, I teach ethics, I teach world religions. Uh, at one time, I was also teaching EDUC 1300, which is like an orientation to college. Um, in addition to teaching at Dallas College, I also do teach uh, as an adjunct, uh, as a teaching fellow, actually, at the University of North Texas as well, which is a phenomenal experience because that's a traditional four-year university, mm -hmm. you know, unlike Dallas College. And so out there, man, they've got me teaching philosophy of religion and ethics and science. And man, I'm just having a ball out there. And so I'll be teaching out there. I've been out there for a year and I'll be back uh, out there as a as an adjunct in the fall. So what is it like as a pastor mm -hmm. who is a Christian mm -hmm. getting a first getting a degree in world religion, mm -hmm. but then also teaching world religions and happen to teach all of the world religions? Because I know there's a lot of people who don't see that those things can coexist. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's a good question. As a matter of fact, when I was interviewed, and this was uh, 15 years ago now, when the president, the then president of the North Lake campus of Dallas College uh, during the final interview, and that was a question that they posed to me. They said, being that you, you know, are a Christian, with strong convictions, how are you able to teach world religions? How are you able to cover the traditions, beliefs, and practices of uh, belief systems and values that are contrary to your own? I said, well, it's easy. I said, you know, the same way a, a, a psychology professor. I said, you may, that psychology professor may be a Christian, but they may or may not necessarily agree with, uh, say, all of the theories of uh, Freud, for example, you know what I'm saying? Or you know, maybe Jung, for example, you know, and I said, also, I approach it from a global aspect to to focus on Christianity only and to operate in this world as if Christianity is the only belief system is as ludicrous as going through this life, believing that North America is the only continent on the planet. Well, no, North America is not, is, is North America is one of seven continents on this planet called Earth. And each of those continents uh, originate from a different uh, value system, belief system, or a frame of reference and, and point of uh, orientation, if you would. And so that's, that's the approach that I take when I'm teaching world religions. And, you know, and, and one matter of fact, that's one of the reasons why uh, I mentioned the North Lake campus. My office has been located at the North Lake campus, which, by the way, is located in the Las Colinas section of uh, the DFW Metroplex here. And so why do I bring that up? Because that zip code in which North Lake is located, it is one, it is tied for the number one, the most diverse the most ethnically diverse zip code in the entire United States, Las Colinas, Texas, uh, Irving, Texas, uh, is tied with uh, Dearborn, Michigan, which is 10 minutes outside of my home of Detroit. Well, what does that mean? Okay, most ethnically diverse. Well, 20, 25% of the residents are people who are um, 
Pacific Islander, Asian Americans, you know, who come from parts of Asia. Another 22% are people who come from the Middle Eastern countries, uh, uh, Iraq, Iran, Syria, Turkey, okay? Um, I even had, have, I have students from Israel and I love that because then once I get to the, the Abrahamic uh, religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam, and then, you know, I start speaking a little Hebrew because I learned a little Hebrew when I was in seminary. It's like, oh, man, we have a good time. So I love being out there because when I'm out there, as I tell my students, I say, guess what? We are a part of a global economy, whether we realize it or not. And I know that's not a popular sentiment, uh, particularly in the political and social climate that we're in today. Uh, the, the, the term globalization, you know, some people, they don't like that because they just they want to focus on nationalism only i.e. that which is related to America and the American creed and the American ethic, if you would. But at the end of the day, we need to come to the realization that listen, we are a part of a global society, a global economy. And, and as, as when we read in the Bible, both old and especially in the New Testament, i.e. the day of Pentecost, we see globalization. We we see people of different languages and tongues and and tribes. Okay, and so you know, you know, and so I'm glad to be a part of that. I'm excited about that, uh, and for that reason, my office has been out there. And, and if the Lord says the same, I want to continue doing uh, the work that I'm doing out there. Now, mind you, we have seven campuses uh, with Dallas College, and so I teach at some of the other campuses as well. Okay. Uh, but I definitely love the uh, the diversity and the uh, the richness, you know, of the uh, the, the the ethnic uh, heritage that's represented uh, uh, out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I sure hope y'all got y'all notepads out because <laughs> he is sure learning y'all something today on this podcast. Ooh, he sure learning y'all something. So. <laughs> So you, I did, I, I, I live 10 minutes from Las Colinas. I'm listening. Like my condo is 10 minutes from Las I had no idea it was tied for the most ethnically diverse. I, I knew he was going to say in the DFW. And he said in the nation. Yes, sir. Like in the whole United States. And then compared it to Dearborn, Michigan, which, yes. by the way, I've never heard of. Right. Just as I'm sure people from Dearborn, Michigan, have never heard of Las right. Colinas, Texas. Right. That is a because that's right down the street. You would yes. never know that there was that much. I mean, I guess I would. I am out all the time. I coach. I teach. Yes. yes. And I drive, so I'm yes. in the city. Yes. Or as my kids like to say, you're always in the streets. Yes, yeah. I am in the streets, but I'm not of the streets and there is a difference and please yes. learn it early. Um, yes. But I'm always out. So I see that there's a lot of different ethnicities and there's a lot of different pockets, mm -hmm. but I, I wouldn't consider mm -hmm. Irving or Las Colinas mm -hmm. one of those places that are super yes. diverse and super yes. have, and maybe it's because I don't get out a whole lot in that sure. area, but what sure. Do you see it being there regularly? Do you see that diversity that the statistics yes, say are there? Yes. Oh, I see it every every time. Matter of fact, uh, I was telling you about I had a couple of meetings uh, earlier today. That, that the second meeting 
uh, before uh, joining you on this podcast was I was out there at my office in Irving. And uh, every time I go out there, I mean, I am interacting. I am happily interacting with uh, people who are of the uh, Islamic faith. And as I mentioned, you know, they, you know, they come from Iraq, Iran, Saudi Arabia, uh, individuals who are of the uh, Hindu faith. So, you know, they're from Nepal, India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, China, you know, um, people from various belief, uh, traditions, beliefs, and practices. Uh, and I think that's important. You know, when we look at, for example, Paul in the New Testament, for example, and I'm just using him as an example. That was one of the things that, you know, when you look at Paul's background, oh, thank you, Lord. When you look at Paul's background, check this out. Paul, before he, before he, his conversion, before his Damascus Road experience, Paul was a murderer. He was a serial yeah. killer of Christians. He was Saul of Tarsus. Now think about this, because this, this hits me all the time, you know? And so <laughs> he's murdering Christians. He has this intense hatred of Christians, Saul of Tarsus. Christ meets him on the Damascus road, blinds him, knocks him off the horse, then converts him. And not only does he save and convert Paul, now mind you, when you look at Paul's background, he, as he says, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews, meaning he was a highly educated intellectual individual. And I'm just using him as an example, okay? I mean, because, you know, we can say the same thing you know, even about other uh, non-educated individuals, if you would, okay, in scripture, okay, uh, uh, the fishermen, for example. But just looking at Paul, Saul of Tarsus, and then not only does God save him, change his name, change his identity, but then he uses Paul to pen two-thirds of the New Testament. Come on, man. If that ain't, come on, that's just radical, man. That's just radical to me right there. You know what I'm saying? So, so when I... Whenever I'm at, whenever I'm teaching, whenever I'm standing in the front of a classroom, man, I'm just grateful and thankful because here I am, man, I'm a brother from the black bottom. Okay. And man, the, growing up in the black bottom, there are things that I've seen that I don't even speak on anymore, you know, because God has just converted and changed my heart. Okay. But then for God to take me out of the black bottom. Okay i.e. the east side of Detroit. Take me 2,300 miles to the other side of the world serving in the United States Air Force so that I can have a Damascus Road experience with him in the Philippine Islands. Because mind you now, while I was in the Philippines now, I was homesick and I was angry with my dad because I felt he had tricked me. Why in the hell am I over <laughs> here in this country? Man, I'm pissed off. I can't, you know, I can't see my mama. You know, I'm like, you know, but 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 it was there that I had my Damascus Road experience. And little did I know, man, that he was preparing me for what I am doing today. And 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 for him, I'm to him, I'm I'm truly grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, you bring up Paul, and it's like he's one of the people I lean on in the Bible where it's like it doesn't matter what you're doing. Yes, sir. God, God can use whatever skills you have yes. to to get his purpose done. Yes, sir. So Paul was a murderer. 
yeah. of Christians yes. because he was so convicted and devout in his beliefs and his faith. He was, yes. So God said, I can take that devoutness. I know yes. that's not a word. I can take that passion. I can take yeah. that that yeah. love, that conviction. Yeah. And then I can take that intelligence yeah. and have him change lives by writing two thirds of the new, like you said, it's incredible. He's like, I know he's intelligent. I know he has passion. Yeah. But he doesn't believe what I need him to believe. So let me change yeah. his life so that he could change everybody else's. And when we look at Paul's life, once Paul understood through his relationship with Christ, the purpose for his existence, mm -hmm. Paul was able to go through a series of sacrifices during his missionary journeys. He suffered persecution. He suffered beating. He suffered, man, he suffered so many things, man. He suffered the violation of his civil rights, the violation of his human rights. It's written right there in scripture, you know. But nevertheless, despite what he was suffering, okay, all right, uh, because he understood his purpose, he had an unshakable discipline, an unshakable discipline, even in the midst of it. Paul said, "For the glories," he said, uh, "For he said, for I've considered that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed." Uh, in oh, come on, Paul, you're talking, you know. So, so yeah, man. So, so, so why am I making a big deal about that? Because. Man, you know, if God did it for Paul, he can do it for you and me. If he can do it for you and me, then guess what? We can take this same testimony, both you and I and those of us who are educators, and we can share this same testimony with our students. If God did it with us, if God did it with Shelman and Daryl, then when we stand before our students, we can tell our students, guess what? And God has a plan and a purpose for your life as well. And he wants to do amazing and magnificent things in you and through you and for you, things that you can't even imagine. Yeah, so you just, just be patient. <laughs> yeah, just just wait on it. Just do do your part, do your work. Yeah. Listen, listen to wise counsel around you. Yes, sir. And, and then you'll get to where you're supposed to be. Yeah. In but due it time. takes time. Yeah. In due season. It, it takes time. And see, and that's the ingredient that, that oftentimes people, they want to leave that ingredient of time out. You know, what would happen, man, if we just disregarded time? You know, let, let's say you're baking a cake. You have all the ingredients for this wonderful, delicious cake. You know what I'm saying? You know. And I'm 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 a chocolate cake person, you know what I'm saying? So I like chocolate on chocolate, you know, chocolate frosting. You know, sometimes I'm like like even German chocolate. Man, got all the ingredients for this delicious cake. And, and, and you're supposed to leave that cake batter in that oven for 20 minutes. Oh, but you just you just impatient, you pull that puppy out. After after 10 minutes. Wait a minute. Hold on. We ain't got cake, man. We dog, oh, dog. No. 
we got a problem. That's what we got. It's like, you know, Houston, we have a problem here, you know, so. And cakes ain't brownies. You could take brownies out early and they still taste good. Cake is nasty till it's done. Cake is nasty, dog. You know what I'm saying? You know, you 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 can't even pull cookies out early. You know what I'm saying? You pull cookies out too early and you got a problem. But But that's the thing that, you know, I'm always reiterating to my students, you know, is, is that, you know, one of the, another important ingredient for success in life is time, you know, and, and time is a valuable and precious commodity for a number of reasons. Um, because, you know, you, you, you know, we want, we, we want the right things at the right time. It's a terrible thing to have the right thing at the wrong time, because guess what? You may not be mature enough to handle it right now. Whoa, wait a minute. You got this good thing sitting in front of you, but because of your immaturity, okay, you, you're not ready to handle it. You know, So time is such an important ingredient and we need to learn how to value time. Another reason why we need to value time also as an important ingredient for success in life is because time... I was telling somebody in a meeting today and I said, you know what? I said, hey, at my age right now, time is more important than money. I said, because the thing about time is, is once you spend it, you cannot get it back. Yeah, it's gone. So I don't have it to waste. You know what I'm saying? You know, and so that's why for me, routines are important. Okay, I don't like idle time. I don't, my time is purposeful. So for example, you heard me say, you know, I got up this morning and went and got me a good workout in. No, that's purposeful. Why? Because, you know, I have things that I need to accomplish. Um, uh, I have I have a kingdom agenda that I need to accomplish. Let me put it that way. You know, so the work that I do, even as a college professor or whatever, you know, I see it as kingdom work, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I. I think that's something that gets lost amongst mm-hmm. a lot of young people right mm-hmm. now. Yes. Because, and, and I don't think it's a new thing. No. Um, because it, I mean, let my parents say it, this younger generation mm-hmm. is more wasteful with their time and mm-hmm. they don't care about time. And I was like, well, when I was 18, 19, 20, I didn't really think about time right. either. I right. could stay up all night and I could right. also sleep all day, whichever one the next day required. Right. I could do that. Correct. At my current age, if yes. I stay up all night, Ooh. I have to sleep all day. There is yes, no sir. if. Yes, There's sir. not. And if I stay up all day, I am going to sleep all night. Yeah. <laughs> there is <laughs> not a question in there for me. And there's a lot of things I tell people, well, I just, that's not going to get done. Right. Because I have three more hours of awake time and that's going to require five. So I can do half of it today, but if you Correct. can't take half of it today, half of it tomorrow, right? let's just wait till tomorrow. That way Correct. I can come to you good Correct. and whole. But I do want to know what is it about being young mm-hmm. that allows that allows just us as people to just take time for granted? Well, you know, um, you know, I, I I think sometimes, you know, young people tend to believe that. But you know what, Shelman, I think I don't think it's just young people. Truth be told, I know a number of people my age who do not value the importance of time. 
just like I know a number of young people, okay, who, because they've been raised properly, because they have been parented properly, okay, they value the significance and the importance of time, okay, all right. Um, uh, I'm thinking about a number of excellent students, for example, you know, and, 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 and I'm thinking about actually a group of, of young adults who, the, because they did what their parents instructed them to do as they were matriculating through high school, then through college, and then, you know, onto the graduate level, and then even to their respective career fields, man, these are young urban professionals, man, degreed and careered and everything. Well, why? Because they learned the, that important principle that's necessary for effective self-regulation. And that important principle uh, is what's known as time management. Yeah, I've started recently equating my time to my money. Yeah. And I know I've, I've had a few people who told me I shouldn't do that, but it works for me. So it's what I'm doing. Do it. But in my, in my accounting... <laughs> Yes. With my budgeting and my bills, I work on the 70-30. So I live off 70%, but I have, I tie 10%, I give 10%, Good. I save 10%. Good. Good financial principles. That's not groundbreaking. That's not news to anybody. Sure. It, sure. It's a good practice. It is but a good practice. There was a point about three months ago where I said, you know what? I think I can do that same thing with my time. Sure. I could take 30% of my day and I can make sure I give 10% of that time 10% of my entire day, so 2.4 hours. I'm yes. not going to do the math, guys. Yeah. yeah but yeah, 2.4 yeah. hours, I yeah. can take that and I can give it to God. Yes. I can take 2.4 hours and I can give it to someone else. Just yeah. give it away. Not, yeah. not do a deed for someone that requires them to pay me, but just give my time to someone else. Sure. Help someone else. And then I can give 2.4 uh, hours of my day back to myself. I can save sure. it for me, sure. whether that sure. be writing, if I'm writing a book or just listening to music or meditating or praying sure. or going on a walk or exercising. Sure. And it all goes in that stuff. It's just for me. It's not time that yeah. I'm going to allow to be interrupted the same way. I don't spend my savings on sure. six flags. Yeah. I'm not going to spend my me time going yeah. to the movies with my friend. It's me time. Yeah. Yeah. And since I've started doing that, just like with my money, you see yourself saving, right. which when you do that, it allows you to see, I really, this is how much I'm earning because I can multiply what I've saved when I earn it and I spend it. I can't see it. Correct. If I've earned it and I've saved it, I can see it. I can multiply right. that times 10 and tell you exactly how much I made this year. Right. And now it's like, oh, I was wasting a lot of money. Yeah. I was wasting a lot of money. Yeah. I, now I can give it and giving to people. And honestly, I probably give away a little more than 10% now because giving makes Good. you want to keep giving the way it, the way Correct. people respond to that. Correct. And you never know who's in need because I try not to overthink my giving. I'm just like, yeah. anybody could use $20. No one has ever been like, why are you sending me $20? Send it back. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. if you randomly send $20 to somebody that day, you don't know what they're going through, sure. but it's always going to make them smile. Right. And a lot of times I send it out. Hey, what is this for? Just felt like sending you $20. And then it's, look, I wasn't going to eat today. Yeah. Or yeah. I had no way to get to work. Yeah. And 
right before I called in, you cash at me this $20. Yeah. And now I can put gas in my car and go to work and not sure. lose money that I, just because I didn't have money. Sure. Or, you know, I we just used our last diaper. Yeah. Or, what, or we were just talking about going on a date, but we didn't have the money. And this allows us just to get out to Wendy's, just the two of us to right. get to Wendy's. And it's right. like, I didn't know. I just, yeah. I just was sending them. And so being able to help people. Yes. Is a, and this is a little bit of a tangent, but being able to help and give yes. both financially and with my time Correct. has been so rewarding that it's been easier. And it, and I think beyond the principle of tithing, where they say, I, I mean, I grew up hearing you can do more with the 90%. Yeah. Or he can do more with the 10% than you can do with the 100%. Sure, sure. And it's like, okay, I get that. Yeah. But realistically, no, I could do more with the hundred percent than I could do with the ninety percent. I'm, I'm pretty decent at math. Like I'm telling you, if you gave me ten percent more, I could accomplish more. But as as I've started really living the the principle, it's yes. like now I get it because I know that's not yeah. what I would have done. Right. Or you save ten percent for a year, mm-hmm. and you have way more than mm-hmm. if you were spending that same ten percent every month. Right. Because now you see it, you collect it, and it's like, okay, now I can do this big thing versus yeah. all of these little small things. Right. And so just doing that, not just with my finances, but with my time, it's like, okay, right. I can do stuff for free. I yes. just have to budget the time out to do it. Sure. I can just randomly go coach this basketball team for free without cost. Sure. I can just go sit at, I can just go help old people load the, not old people, that's incorrect. I can just go help seniors people older than me seniors sure, sure, sure. load their sure. car so when you do things like that when you give out of your time out of your finances you get it back and that is an obvious principle that everyone says but still people struggle with it why is that well one one oh that's a good okay oh yeah excellent question <laughs> one because people are selfish but two <clears throat> oh man, I can a lot I can say on this. So I'm also I also at my church I I teach uh, Financial Peace University, which is a uh, biblical stewardship program by Dave Ramsey, if you would. So why do people do that? Number one, when people do not excuse me, when Christians do not uh, handle what belongs to God whether that's their time, their talent, or their treasure, when they when they refuse to handle what belongs to God in, in the way in which God wants them to handle it, it is a reflection of their view of God. So when we're talking about money, for example, okay, when a person doesn't tithe or, you know, if a person just tips God, you know, put a put $5 in the Sunday collection plate, you know, okay, God, move on, you know, stuff like that. That is a reflection of how they perceive and view God. They don't, they don't see God as being the one in whom they live and move and have their being. They don't see God as, uh, as, 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 as the author and the finisher of their faith, their alpha and the omega, if you would, you know, because, because those of us who do see God as as the author and the finisher of our faith, you know, the one in whom, you know, we live and move and have our being, you know, the, the bishop and the shepherd of our souls, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. we we understand that number one, 
everything that we have, as scripture says, now we talking uh, principles of biblical stewardship, and that's everything you was just describing, Shelman. Uh, scripture teaches us in 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 11 and 12, and this is what it says. Everything in the heavens and earth is yours, O Lord. Everything in the heavens and earth is. So what does that mean? That means my job is yours, Lord. My car is yours. My, my, my house. Everything that I say is mine. If I'm a Christian who loves the Lord, then guess what? It ultimately belongs to God. So what does that mean? That means... <laughs> That when it comes to tithing, for example, okay, yes, I tithe as a demonstration of the fact that I recognize God, that everything in the heavens and earth is yours, and this is your kingdom. This ain't my kingdom. This ain't my world. This ain't my money. This ain't my, no, no, Lord, it all belongs to you. So what does that mean? That means, according to the principles of biblical stewardship, which starts with 1 Chronicles 29, 11, and 12, then Lord, guess what? You are the owner and you have made me the manager of what that which you own, Lord, okay? So when it comes to finances, guess what? Hey, because God is the owner, he requires us to be tithers, okay? And the beautiful thing about giving, and, and so a third reason why Christians don't give the way that they should give. So the first reason why Christians don't give the way they should give is because they're selfish. Number two is because they have a small view of God, okay? They don't see God as the source of their provision, peace, prosperity, and protection, okay? When you recognize God for who he is, he is, he is the source of our peace, provision, pro prosperity, and protection. So when you see God as, as the means for your, your sustenance and your very existence, then guess what? Hey, Lord, 10%, that ain't enough, Lord. Here, let me, here, let me. So, so number one, they're selfish. Two, they have a small view of God. And then number three, they've not learned the principle of stewardship. And what is that? that you cannot beat God giving no matter how hard you try. So God has created us, his people, not to be cul-de-sacs, but to be conduits. And a conduit is something, it is, a, it is a portal through which something can flow and travel. So when it comes to the time, the talent, and the treasures that God has bestowed upon us, he doesn't want it to hoard it for ourselves and, and, and hold it in a reservoir or in a cul-de-sac. No, man, he, he wants us to be a conduit through which his blessings can flow through us and not just to us, if that makes sense, you know? So that's the third reason why more Christians don't give because they have not learned that phenomenal spiritual principle that you can't be God-given. And believe me, I, now that I understand uh, biblical, uh, the principles of biblical uh, Christian stewardship, I try to be God, I try. I'm like, okay, Lord, okay, Lord, last month it was 10%. And matter of fact, last month it was 15%. Lord, I'm going I'm to step out on, I'm going to do 20 this month, you know, shoot. And he like, oh, I got you. Oh, it's like, okay, Lord, you, okay, well, I'm going to keep giving, you know, and it's a beautiful thing, you know. And so when you do that, you lack for nothing. And what I like to call, he allows you to live in what I call the overflow. Mm -hmm. And the overflow principle is that cup and saucer principle. 
okay? And that cup and saucer principle is where you have a cup that's resting on a saucer and you are just pouring uh, uh, pouring from, from a, a, a pitcher of water into that cup. But then with God, you just continue, he continues to pour and pour and pour so that that cup, it fills up and the overflow falls into the saucer. And the beautiful thing about God is that, man, if you continue giving, man, then it will overflow from the cup into the saucer, out of, from the saucer onto the table, if you would. And, and that's the beautiful thing about the economy of God or the kingdom of God, more specifically. Man, we can spend a whole nother hour just talking about uh, kingdom biblical stewardship, man, because that, that's a subject that's near and dear to my heart right there, Doc. Real quick, there are over 2,400 verses in the Holy Bible that deal with money, wealth, finances. Over 2,400 verses in the Bible, and many Christians don't even know that. Don't even apply them. Y'all better get in y'all some uh, financial literacy classes. He said, <laughs> that's what I heard. <laughs> I heard if you if you not if your church don't have a finance group, I'm not telling you to find a new church, but I'm telling you to find a secondary church that do got a financial group <laughs> that you could visit on the mother days of the week. Because I, 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 if you listen to this podcast, and even better if you listen to sermons to myself, y'all know I've been going through a financial journey with God that has involved my time and my money. So th what I've said to Dr. Howard is is a repeat of what some of y'all have heard on the other parts of the podcast, uh -huh. for sure. So I'm going to answer two questions for y'all real quick. Um, <laughs> no, I have never met him before five minutes before this podcast started. <laughs> I, that's when I pushed record. I did not bait him by telling him he would get to come on and talk about stewardship and biblical finances and all of those things, even though that is my passion right now, as far as my studying, just me as a student, that is where I'm spending the majority of my time. And that's where <laughs> me and God are worshiping together and conversing the most. Yes. Uh, and that second question, uh, I don't know what church he goes to, but I'm going to ask, <laughs> what church do you go to? So I'm a member of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship located here in Dallas, Texas. Ah, Dr. Tony Evans. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I and I oh. serve in the stewardship ministry there at Oak Cliff. And um, uh, matter of fact, a couple months ago, we just finished a 10-week uh, course titled Financial Peace University. We went for 10 weeks, uh, two hours uh every Sunday from February, end of February to the end of uh, April. And this is what we do, man. We, 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 scripture says that our people perish for a lack of knowledge. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what we do is, you know, we give uh, people the knowledge that they need to be good biblical stewards, Christ, biblical Christian stewards over not that which belongs to them, but that which ultimately belongs to God. Because at the end of the day, it all 100%, it belongs to God, you know? And so because it belongs to God, I'm thinking about your illustration that you were sharing about, you know, when you uh, was was uh, helping uh, the, the friend who was, uh, you sent $20. Well, you sent the $20 
because because you are a disciple of Christ, a kingdom of mm -hmm. disciple, a Christian, guess what? You were led by the Holy Spirit to send that money, okay? And so th that's an important principle as it relates to kingdom stewardship, biblical stewardship, you know? And so that's what we, that's what we, uh, you know, teach some of the principles that we teach. So you mentioned, for example, the 70-30 rule of, of the, yeah, there are a number of excellent uh, stewardship principles. I was listening to a pastor today as I was driving uh, to my meeting and he was talking about the 80-20 rule, which is basically just the same thing as the 70-30 rule. You know, Dave Ramsey has the uh, seven baby steps you know, of uh, biblical stewardship, you know, and so uh, Compass Ministries, for example, they have a, a program known as uh, uh, Handling Finances God's Way. You know, what, what whatever the practice, just make sure I would encourage the listeners, you know, whatever the financial principles that you're using, just make sure that they're biblical, make sure that they're Christian, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, but, 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 but first and foremost, you got to understand Jesus said in Luke chapter 16, verse 11, and he said, he said, if you are in faithful in worldly riches, Jesus said, Luke chapter 16, verse 11, if you are unfaithful in worldly riches, then who shall entrust unto you the true riches? OK, in other words, if God can't trust you with if he can't trust you to tithe on, on a consistent, regular basis, you know, as we're uh, required to do. OK, and if he can't trust you to give when he's uh, unctioning you by his Holy Spirit to give to someone who's in need legitimately. OK, all right. And our giving it should be prompted by the Holy Spirit, because, of course, all needs are not legitimate. We know that, okay? So for example, if I see some brother, I'm sitting at a red light and I see a brother, he's standing there and he got a sign, you know, will work for food. Well, you know, now, now they just bold about it. Now I'm seeing a lot of signs now that will say, I don't need food. I just want alcohol. I want a drink and some drugs, you know? So what I do is I tell him, I said, well, look, I ain't about to give you no money because, you know, uh, at the end of the day, now, if you want, <laughs> if you want something to eat, of course, you know, I can go over here and I can buy you something. You can meet me over here. I can buy you something to eat. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, and, and if that don't work well, you know, I know of a ministry that's giving away good food and shelter, you know, to help you. So we have to be wise stewards in our giving as well. Okay. Because once again, God has given us management over that, which uh, ultimately belongs uh, to him. So I'm just really grateful and thankful, man, just to be able, you know, to, to be able to empower people, you know, to in educate people, to uh, encourage people, you know, and, um, you know, to help people to reach their goals, dreams, and aspirations in life, you know, and I, I'm just happy to be a facilitator, man, of helping people to accomplish you know, what they desire to accomplish in life, to become a better version of themselves and to ultimately to manifest the plan and the purpose that God has for their existence. Absolutely. Now, before mm -hmm. I flip this chair over, because I've been, I, I want y'all to know, I've been real composed on this, on this couch with this computer in this chair and the nice little microphone set up and my earphones in. I have been real composed because he is preaching to me specifically. I've, I've said it before on this podcast and I just would like to remind y'all, this is not about y'all. 
Y'all are wonderful <laughs> listeners. I appreciate it. But this is not about y'all. God <laughs> told me to start the podcast. So I started the podcast. Every episode since number one has been a spiritual <laughs> lesson for me. This is not about y'all. Y'all are just watching <laughs> or listening. <laughs> and I hope it helped, but I don't care. That is not the purpose for me to log on and talk to the people. Yeah. That it has nothing to do with you. It is completely <laughs> selfish in that the fact that I am sharing is the unselfish part. <laughs> but I want to thank you. Oh, answer the question number three. No, okay. he doesn't have a Bible in front of him. There <laughs> is no Bible in front of him. He is pulling these scriptures out of his soul. That's what's happening. <laughs> he is pulling them out of his soul. He is talking. His eyes start to wander and then the scripture <laughs> comes. That's what happens every time. I've watched it. Because that means he has studied and meditated on his word. He said he went to seminary school. I know a lot of people that went to seminary school. They can't all pull Bible scriptures from just from. I, he is pulling them from the depths. And I'm sure y'all will recognize that Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship church name. Because I think he is our fourth or fifth guest that is a member of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. All right. And they all came on here and had to give a few words about God in, in just their <laughs> interview. Because that's the type of people that come out of Oak Cliff Bible Fellowship. So... <laughs> Before we leave today, uh -huh. because I don't want to take up too much of your time, I always ask one particular question, and I feel like I've missed it on the last two. Okay. So y'all forgive me that on the last two episodes before Dr. Howard's episode, you will not hear this question. I apologize. Messaging people on Facebook and they'll respond. What is your one public servant's announcement? So your one piece of advice just for people. Yeah, it's it's pretty much just reiterating what I shared earlier in the broadcast. And that is, you know, find out, you know, pursue, find out what is your purpose. Find out what is your purpose because your purpose, that will be your why. Okay. So for some people, their purpose is to serve God and become a greater, you know, a better believer of whatever faith, you know, they subscribe to. Some people, their purpose may be the environment. Other people, their purpose may be their family. Okay, all right. Um, um, you know, find out what your purpose is uh, and be prepared to exercise the discipline necessary and be prepared to make the sacrifices necessary in order to be successful in fulfilling and manifesting that purpose uh, in, in your existential journey, okay? And know that time is an important ingredient in achieving success uh, in this existential journey that we're a part of, you know, and so, you know, we, we we need to understand if we're going to be our if we're going to be our best selves, and if we're going to do what what it is we were put on this earth here to do, we need to understand what our purpose is. We need to understand the sacrifices that will be necessary, the discipline that will be required, and the time that will be necessary. I'm currently uh, doing some study on Martin Luther King Jr. right now. Uh, I told you I'm working on a doctorate out at UNT, and I'm a actually writing a second, a second. 
doctorate is what he said because he has the edd already now he's working on a phd a second doctor he's gonna be doctor 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 d howard so and so i'm working on my dissertation my dissertation is uh about the philosophy it's about kingian philosophy the philosophy uh the uh the philosophy the the philosophy of nonviolence of Martin Luther King Jr. Okay, and so as I'm studying the life of King, uh, and and I see this even in the, in the life of Jesus as well. Okay, but as I'm studying the life of King, and the same thing can even be said about Gandhi as well. I see that King understood what the purpose of his ex existence was. Okay, and the perfect purpose of his existence was to be was to be a disciple of Christ. Okay, to be a living manifestation, you know, of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the form of love and nonviolence. Okay, King, because he understood his purpose, uh, he exercised a discipline, and it took discipline for him to uh, adhere to the philosophy of nonviolence. Because throughout his thirteen-year ministry, King's thirteen-year ministry from 1955 all the way to 1968, when he was assassinated, man, as as those years progressed, more and more of his disciples and even followers and black people they were becoming frustrated with the philosophy of nonviolence. But King remained steadfast, disciplined, and unmovable in that. And then we know the sacrifices that King went through. Um, his home was bombed numerous times. His family's home was bombed on numerous times, okay? He was always under FBI uh, surveillance. His home was bugged. His offices were bugged, okay? Even when, although he was peacefully protesting in a nonviolent manner, there were instances like in uh, Chicago, Illinois, when he was uh, marching and protesting. Chicago, Illinois, they started throwing rocks at him. He said that the violence that he experienced in Chicago, he said he had never seen anything like it in the South, not even in Alabama, Selma, Alabama, Sheriff Bull Connor had nothing on Chicago, Illinois. So the point I'm making is that when we look at King's life, we see purpose, discipline, sacrifice, and time. Yeah. Ingredients necessary for success in life. Yeah, yeah me and Dr. King don't have the same purpose. Because <laughs> you throw a rock at me, we're going to have a problem. I'm just letting y'all know. Hey, me hey, and Dr. King, the same hey, height. If you throw hey, a rock at me, hey, it's height. <laughs> hey, check this out. Hey, check this out. Hey, don't don't forget. I'm don't forget where I'm from. I'm from the black right. body. Doc. I'm writing. I'm writing on King. I'm writing on King. Okay. So, so Dr. Howard said, "Don't test your luck and throw no rocks at him either." That's what. Hey, come on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I heard somebody say, "Hey, I, I may be saved, but I ain't forgot." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you. you and I may be saved enough for you to bomb my house once. That's what you have insurance for. But that second time, yeah. look, you're going to have to see me. You, you, you ain't going to be able to just pull off. <laughs> but you know what? Even that is a testament and a demonstration of the power of God that was operating in King's life. The power of the Holy Spirit, man. The power of God's word, man. And just... King's discipline and commitment to it, to the point where 
even when his closest advisors had turned against him and were saying, no, no, no. Keep in mind, uh, the, the Black nationalism of uh, Malcolm X was popular in Black America, especially in urban America uh, uh, during the early 1960s, okay? Then you have the Black power movement that was prevalent after the assassination of Malcolm. So when you talk about the Black Power Movement, you're talking about Stokely Carmichael, you know, uh, what do we want? Black Power, when do we want it now? Let's not forget about the Black Panther Party that uh, came on the scene during the latter part of the 1960s. So, you know, uh, when we look at the work of King, you know, we we see, um, we, we see amazing things, you know, and you know, of course, King's example was the person of Christ. When we look at the life of Jesus, you know, who, who when he was reviled, he, he returned not evil for evil, nor railing for railing. But contrarywise, he blessed those who cursed him. He loved those who hated him. That's the model of our Lord and Savior. And that's the model that he wants us to exemplify. So we need to understand our purpose. In order to live that type of life, we got to be crystal clear about our purpose, you know. And on top of that, we also have to surround ourselves with other like-minded individuals who are also committed to that purpose and that mission as well. That's y'all advice. That's what he said. That's your public servant's announcement. <laughs> that, that's the public servant's announcement. You could take whatever piece of that <laughs> that you need for your life because he gave you a bunch of pieces he talked about preparing for discipline and sacrifice and that's after, know your purpose first because it's hard to prepare for something you don't know that's know right. your purpose that's then good. prepare to discipline yourself yeah prepare to sacrifice to achieve yeah. your purpose yeah and then he said after you've prepared to yeah. sacrifice after you've prepared to yeah. be disciplined yeah. Then make sure you surround yourself yeah. with like-minded individuals. Yeah. Yeah. So y'all, yeah. whatever stage of that you're in. Yeah. 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 You, you know, when, we look, of advice. when we look at our athletes, for example, when we look at our athletes, we just finished the uh the NBA finals, just concluded uh, a couple nights ago. And when we look at look at the amount of sacrifice and discipline. That is required to be an NBA champion. The amount of time that it demands. Yeah. And and Jokic said at the podium, he was like, when they asked him in the interview, does it feel good? He said, yeah, it feels good. Now we can go home. Yeah. And then he got up on the stage and they, he was like, yeah. they, they asked him, are you excited for the parade? And he looked over, seriously surprised. Parade? Yeah. What is the parade? Yeah. And I guess the PA or persons said the parade's in two days. It's Thursday. He, oh, man. Like, he literally yeah. rolled his yeah. eyes like, I have to yeah. give y'all something else. Yeah. I can't just go home. Yeah. I feel like we did it. This was the yeah. goal. We've reached yeah. the goal. Why do you want me more? Yeah. He's still yeah. sacrificed. It's, still if you sacrifice. want to be great. Yes. Greatness comes with a sacrifice. Yes. Yes. It comes with sacrifice. It demands discipline. It requires a, a respect of time, but it all begins with understanding your purpose. And if you're really going to accomplish all that you were created to accomplish, it is imperative to surround yourself 
with like-minded people, which includes people who've been on the journey that you're on, people who've succeeded on the journey that you're on, okay? But then also people are gonna encourage you to hang on in there because it's gonna be many a times, man, you're gonna wanna give up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, sacrifice is a beast. I'm yeah. not I'm not even gonna get into it. I'm not even yeah. gonna sacrifice is something serious. Yeah. I, I appreciate you, Dr. Howard, for coming I appreciate on you. to the show. I appreciate you. This has been an incredible, incredible conversation. Thank I you, would man. love to have you on again. Let's even do it. Even if it's we could do a whole episode on stewardship. We could do a whole episode on Dr. King. We could do a whole episode on finding your purpose, on discipline, on preparedness. Just what I, cause I, I thought of so many things. I was like, I could bring that up for that. We'd be here another two hours. And I am sure with two doctors in front of his name, he got something else to do with that. So I appreciate you giving us your time. I appreciate you sharing all of your wisdom with us. And I look forward to having you on again. I'm looking forward to it. Just reach out. Let me know, man. You got my number and I got yours. Um, uh, I appreciate your work and your witness, Shelman. You are doing a great, a great service, a great job, you know, uh, and this is a wonderful ministry just to humanity in general, brother. So just keep doing what you're doing, man. Your, your work and your witness is powerful. Uh, uh, I think that's an excellent, brilliant idea, that public service announcement, you know, because uh, the emphasis, I, what I like about it is the emphasis on service. And Jesus said, you know, uh, if you want to be great, let the greatest among you be a servant. Mm -hmm. All right. So keep doing what you're doing, man. And uh, like I said, you have my number, correct? Uh, I definitely have your email so I can okay. get your number. Okay, that's he fine. He responded that's to fine. that email faster than some of y'all responded to text messages. I there just had to be put out there real quick. There you I go. I sent well, him an email and he replied right back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I'm going to do also is, is in a minute here, because I have your number, I'm looking at it. I'm going to call you right quick to make sure that you have my number as well, okay? Yes, sir. All right, man. I appreciate you. Okay. Yes, sir. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. And that has been another incredible episode of Public Servants Announcements. Dr. Daryl Howard. My, my, my God. <laughs> my God. Thank y'all.